From the protectors of the internet, the Wisconsin Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, it's the PKO Podcast. Welcome to the PKO Podcast, sponsored by the Wisconsin Department of Justice Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. I'm Dana Miller, and I am excited to have uh, on the show with me today, Joe Miller from Washington Tech, all the way from the East Coast. So welcome, Joe. I'm glad to have you here today. Thanks so much, Dane. It's good to be here. And uh, thanks for saying it right. A lot of people say Washington Tech, um, which I think that that trademark is already registered or something. So thank you for for keeping us out of trouble on that. (laughs) Of course. Well, um, I would be I think our listeners would love to hear from you what Washington Tech is. Uh, And then we can talk about where our paths kind of cross. Yeah, so Washington Tech is, uh, and that's our brand name. Our full name is Washington Center for Technology Policy Inclusion. And we've, we uh, started in 2014 as an LLC. It was a private company that I founded. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, we uh, converted to a nonprofit in 2019. And we've been doing this work uh, for uh, the past few years at the intersection of tech policy and centering diversity and inclusion because there's such an underrepresentation of, of folks, uh, women and people of color uh, in these debates who are at the tables, particularly here in Washington. And so what we end up having are, are these skewed policies. Uh, and so we're centering diversity and inclusion so we have a safer, more accessible, more uh, inclusive internet and part a lot of that safety starts with kids and what's happening online when they turn on their computers and we're not around. So that's what we've been uh, focused on uh, for uh, the past uh, few months as we uh, develop a strategy around this issue. Yeah, and we were we were talking before um, the episode here and just the intersection of our work when when looking at children as part of that underrepresented underrepresented um, population and looking at the safety side. I mean, obviously your work is, is much broader than ours, but um, so intertwined, you know, we, we are constantly looking at policy and, and how we can, you know, try to help drive things in a, in a safer manner for kids. Um, one of the things that we talk a lot about, and I know you do as well is COPPA uh, and, and that's, huge for us as we see more and more kids interested in getting online at younger ages (laughs) um you know 13 is just not we see so many kids interested in getting social media accounts and that sort of thing at at seven eight nine years old now that that 13 almost seems unrealistic to some people but it's so important when you look at privacy laws and um that side of things so um I don't know. Is there anything that you want to kind of talk about with that piece of things as we dive into to the safety side? You know, it, you're, you're right about that. And it's really out, it was really outrageous when I saw uh, the Wall Street Journal report that showed uh, because of documents released by Francis Hogan, the whistleblower who used to work there, uh, showing that Instagram was just kind of trying to develop products for six year olds and thinking about how they're going to target. And COPPA didn't even seem to enter into the conversation any of those. Uh, and so we we're seeing this sort of disrespect uh, for our existing regulations. Um, that's kind of, you know, in favor of regulations that seem more designed uh, for this quote unquote metaverse that I supposed um, 
Mark Zuckerberg thinks he's going to be the uh, the ruler of. And uh, it's sad to see because, uh, you know, you can't get Congress to agree on these issues. And so you, they're having so much uh, trouble just revising the, the uh, COPPA and, uh, you know, introducing new legislation to deal with this issue. So I'm, I'm, it's just wonderful to see you all doing this on the local level. Um, because on the national level, it's just not happening. Yeah. And, and I agree with all of that. You know, the, one of the, the main things that we were seeing all over the news from that was, um, the, I would say the way that a, a child's online image impacts their, their mental health and well being, And that's something that we've talked about a lot over the years and the idea that um that you'll get more likes if you put filters on your photos that you post and that your uh self-worth or something should be um measured by those amounts of likes that you get on those those filtered photos and and you know you can really get down a rabbit hole with that sort of of I guess that aspect of things when we're looking at kids and mental health and everything, but I think that it's such an important thing to be aware of for our kids as they are online all the time is just recognizing, um, recognizing that those things aren't tied that, that, you know, the, the, the number of likes that they get, the number of friends or followers or those sorts of things, it, 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 isn't tied to any sort of of self-worth or or mental health or that sort of thing. So I think that's a really great point to bring up. Yeah, and you know, you know what we're what we're seeing is that Facebook's own research showed that. Mm -hmm. And they kept it to themselves. Mm -hmm. So it it showed that uh kids, particularly teen, uh, teen girls were going on Instagram feeling bad about themselves already and then when they went on there they felt even worse. And then they didn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, there's a there's other research to suggest, including marketing research. That a lot of marketers are aware of is that when folks are feeling bad about themselves, they stay and, and they stay on and they say they don't change the channel. When you're watching Netflix, you know, they don't uh, tune out. They sit there longer in radio. They call it time spent listening, hmm. uh, time spent viewing. Uh, and so there are these emotional triggers that these companies are well aware of. Fox News is well aware of it. Uh, you know, the, the more there's this there's this effort and it's been going on for a number of years to make the public feel bad about themselves. So they sit there and and uh, watch TV longer. You know, one example, one anecdotal example is you know, when you look at Netflix, all of the all this stuff is violent or mm -hmm. or uh you know sad kind of this doom and gloom thing anticipating uh you know kind of the fears that have already already been primed when they watch the news that's so interesting i was i actually was making a comment here at home about that sort of content the other day and how tired i am of that being the only thing that's available uh so that's really interesting. And I don't know if you saw this, but um, I believe 2020, maybe 
the um, Pew Research Center came out and said that one of the stats they shared was that um, online video viewing, so YouTube and I think streaming services and things like that too, are now the number one way that our kids engage online. So that follows what you're saying because they are just kind of getting sucked down that rabbit hole and just watching, watching, watching more and more. And and how is that impacting how they view life and how they go about their their normal in-person activities in life then as they grow older and, and join the general population of adults, I guess. And how do we compete with that when we want to promote their literacy? Because mm-hmm. we are getting a quicker dopamine rush from being online than they get from, you know, sitting with a book in their hand and, and you know, reading until the end. And so how, how do you deal with that when these companies are, you know, manipulating, ultimately manipulating our dopamine levels so they, so they can, you know, give us this constant uh, reward system that keeps us, uh, keeps us sitting there. Yeah. So we talk a lot about the importance of discussions between guardians and children about their online lives, about their activity, you know, just having regular discussions so that it's more of a comfortable topic. We know it's a a part of kids' lives and we want to know what they're doing, same as we know what they're doing in person. Um, And we share a lot of resources around ways to kind of start those discussions, uh, you know, from Common Sense Media and from thorn and from the national center for missing and exploited children and and foci and you know a lot of different partners but i guess do you have other resources or other ideas on how to start those conversations earlier or how to kind of help with those screen time limits so it's more realistic for families or anything like that so you know the first thing that parents can do is kind of sit with you know these these things are actually fun they're not labor intensive you can do them as activities uh with your kids it's actually kind of a bonding experience but that's excellent the first thing you can do is kind of sit down with them and make a list of the websites and apps that you agree are appropriate tell them you know ask them which ones are their favorites and then you can go through them and select the ones that are appropriate and those that are not appropriate and you can also go and find sites that you'd like them to watch uh, and see which of those they enjoy mm-hmm. uh, and provide access to those sites. So that's the first thing. The second is to, you know, keep screens in view, you know, and it's, this isn't about spying. It's about engaging with your kids. You know, when they were younger, they were playing with blocks. You'd sit down on the floor and play with them, you know, when they're playing with their blocks. Uh, you know, they get older. Uh, so that becomes more difficult. You know, I've got a preteen, so we can forget about that. But by the time they, you know, they've learned that it's not spying, uh, you know, and they gradually have the skills to monitor uh, themselves, that kind of uh, having those devices in a common area becomes uh, less, less critical. Um, and, you know, once they reach adulthood, they have privacy rights too. And that, you know, that includes uh, privacy rights for, uh, against us as parents sure and then the third thing is parental controls Mm -hmm. and those are specific controls that you can set up within the apps and even within the devices Uh, your kids don't necessarily need to know what's going on the hood uh, under the hood it's a lot of information for them to process and i don't think they really care Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know all these platforms have uh parental controls and you know we actually have a webinar on this we've put everything in one place in a resource we created that goes with it that 
you know, links to all of the policies. So parents and, and caregivers can have them all in one place uh, to access whenever they need it. Wonderful. And again, and yeah, and this is something that can be done and revisited uh, and refined as platforms change, as policies change, as, you know, we see other uh, statistics that uh, come out that we, we're not aware of currently that require us to adjust uh, our parental controls. Uh, but, you know, we there, each platform does have their own controls and we provide access to that so you don't have to run around searching for it because we know uh, everyone's busy. Mm. Uh, fourth, and then this is really important, is turning off location sharing, especially when kids are away from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't want people knowing where your kids are. Obviously, sometimes you may not even know where they are, you know, when they get older and they start hanging out with their friends. So they need to understand and be equipped, especially when they get older, uh, you know, equipped from an early age to understand when they reach that point, uh, that lo- location sharing is a thing. Uh, and then it's something that they're going to want to uh, monitor uh, when they when they um, when they go online. Mm-hmm. And finally, setting up a daily usage limit. Uh, and, you know, this is important for kids to you know, continue to you know, they need to keep building their fine motor skills, uh, their literacy, engaging in hands on activities. So this isn't just about predators, whether they're commercial or or individual predators, we tend to think of, Um, but it's about building their literacy uh, and, you know, learning to entertain themselves and engage in sports, you know, so setting age appropriate usage limits, uh, which you can also do with the parental controls I mentioned before, uh, is really uh, sort of can be automated so that you don't have to even really have a conversation with them or let them know and just say, oh, it's shut off. Oh, well, darn it. <laughs> if you're going to have to do something else. The internet must be off. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, these are fantastic. This is a great list, Joe. It's like we work together every day. These are the exact same things that we push out. And I'm so glad to hear that, that it's a consistent message um, that's being heard on this. And I'll say, I go a tiny step further on your screens in view, which I love because we grew up with screens in view as we started to, as we started to um, have screens and get online and things. Uh, And I think that there was definite value in that for safety. But one of the things I say is um, no screens behind closed doors. That's my, my message. And it's just because so many things that we see. I think show that the risk is amped up when you're behind the safety, the safety of a closed door, right? Um, peer pressure might be a little bit higher. Inhibitions might be a little bit lower. The, the, the risk is there to maybe, um, you know, respond to requests for images or things like that, that just, that risk wouldn't be there if the door was open, especially like keep those phones out of the bathroom is what I always say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I really love that. And I, the last one that you were talking about and talking about building literacy, one of the main things that, that you were saying is a focus um, for your group is fighting misinformation and fighting disinformation. And I think that that is such an important thing to talk about. And it, we kind of, miss it sometimes because it doesn't fall under exploitation. But I think it's incredibly important as we're teaching our children um, 
as we're guiding them into adulthood. And as you said, as we're building literacy, building digital literacy and, and figuring out how that incorporates into our lives, I think that's an important thing for them to be able to recognize and filter out some things and, and, and that sort of thing. So I definitely wanted to take a, a moment and focus on that as well. Yeah. I mean, disorder and, and, uh, digital disorder is what we're calling it. You know, this disinformation, misinformation are kind of the, the key, uh, national security threat right now. Uh, you know, it used to be about dropping flyers during World War II and things like that. Hitler used to do. Now it's, you know, they can do that much more efficiently uh, when they're online. And so what we're seeing is this really this split, this polarization uh, that's been happening uh, since the Internet. Uh, and a lot of this is by design. Some of it isn't. And that's the difference between misinformation and disinformation, right? So misinformation is when someone shares information and they don't know uh, if it's true or false. They just share it without thinking. Disinformation is by design. And we saw this in the Cambridge Analytica scandal uh, where Russian operatives are believed to have been uh, disseminating information using Facebook uh, to um, polarize people and send uh, false information about uh, about certain groups uh, persuading Black Americans to um, to believe uh, issues that weren't true, uh, and so that's what we're struggling with. And of course, the uh, class what's become a classic case now is what happened on January sixth, the January sixth insurrection, mm-hmm. uh, and you know how misinformation and disinformation led to that, and how. Uh, messaging is controlled by bad actors uh, that we've, we're acquiring more and more evidence about, that Congress is thankfully acquiring more evidence about, uh, that are actually orchestrating these tactics. Uh, but still, we're left with the problem of people not being able to distinguish uh, you know, fact from fiction, which is something that you and I learned in second grade. Uh, now, we don't know how our kids think about uh, the difference between fact and 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 harmful information mm-hmm. uh, because we're not in their shoes. And so that's where we get to, you know, how they're being indoctrinated uh, online uh, by folks who are intentionally doing that. And we talk about indoctrination in the, in the context of uh, education. So you have a lot of folks um, where, you know, really up in arms about, worried about um, critical race theory, which I call critical race the fact, but some people call it critical uh, race theory. And that's a response that's been conditioned by misinformation, disinformation, uh, and you know, legitimate fear of being maligned, um, folks being maligned and being positioned as uh, inherently bad, uh, which is another side of the coin that isn't really discussed discussed as often as, as it should be. Um, but you know, so that's an example of it happening in a in a different context. But what we're not hearing a lot about is how that indoctr- how these online platforms are indoctrinating our kids, mm. and I think that's one of the reasons why Francis Hogan came forward. Uh, showing that in a, in a commercial context, at least, uh, 
um, some of these platforms are actually doing that on purpose. Mm -hmm. And so those are the kinds of things we have to start paying attention to because who knows what else is going on on platforms we're not really using. I mean, I tried to use GitHub, but I didn't understand it. And I don't <laughs> think I want to understand it. <laughs> but we have Web3 and you know those types of platforms are on the horizon. And you know one of the concerns that we've seen, the information report, information, which is a public a tech publication, uh, talked about was that this you know this idea of a metaverse and this fragmentation that's already happening. Uh, you know, then moving on to the, all of these different discrete online communities that have their own cryptocurrencies, mm -hmm. and so how and so how how do we govern that in an analog world? And one of the examples that we're seeing is what I mentioned earlier, uh, which is this idea that uh, Mark Zuckerberg seems to have of creating a metaverse that's able to sort of evade these. Uh, you know, these uh, traditional structures that we have in place like uh, COPPA. So we need to understand where and how uh, indoctrination uh, is happening. Unfortunately, we're beginning to understand. One, one report that just came out from the Aspen Institute goes into great depth on this. They released it back in November. They set up a commission to look at the effects of um, misinformation and disinformation, this di concept of digital disorder. Uh, and different uh, texts that po uh, tactics that policymakers and individuals uh, should be thinking about as we attempt to reform uh, and preserve democracy if we can rely on the fact that that's what the majority of folks uh, really want. I think it is. Uh, the problem is that you know, we have other things happening uh, which also play into uh what's happening online you know with uh, election disinformation that's leading to you know a lot of the gerrymandering that we've been seeing mm -hmm. uh and so what we end up with is this situation where we have um moving more and more away from a, a government that's less representative of its people because all of this is happening online and this is, I mean, this is such a, uh, I'm going to call it just such a big conversation. I mean, this is such a, um, a broad impact issue that everybody needs to understand is a concern because this then trickles down, filters down to how our kids are interpreting information online, interpreting our world, um, things that are happening in their areas and that kind of thing. And I, I think that I think that it just speaks to the critical importance of having that open dialogue with your kids. And that way, if they're seeing things, it comes up in conversation and you can address those things and you can talk about them in the home about how, you know, maybe something they're seeing online doesn't align with family values or or those types of things. Um and just make that a regular part of your family discussions. I just think that's so important. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Uh, so I do want to, I mean, we're talking about online safety um, and time always flies on these episodes. I will say that um, we do have Safer Internet Day coming up and every year we want to make sure that people are aware of that and that we 
focus on it for say for internet day, but that we focus on, on online safety or for our kids every day as well. Um, and so I just wanted to share that we will be putting information out on our social media page. We'll have it on our website at icac.widoj.gov. Um, but Joe, I also want to plug your information too. I know you do newsletters. I know you've got a podcast. You talked about this webinar. Um, so if people are looking for more information or resources that that your group has available, where should they go? So we have a, a checklist that I was discussing before, and you can access that. And you can find it at techpolicypodcast.org forward slash safety check. And I'll be sure to update that uh, to include the behind the closed doors piece, which is one that I didn't uh, think about uh, because that's really uh, super critical, uh, especially when kids get older and they have have to have the doors. You can tell I'm in uh, middle school years and they I insist on having the door closed. <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah, and again, you can find that techpolicypodcast.org forward slash safety check. That's fantastic. Uh, so we will push that out to folks as well. Um, any Anything that you want to touch on that we didn't get a chance to talk about today, Joe? Anything that you want to leave as closing comments for our audience? And I think and it's kind of unrelated to tech policy is that, you know, this is a difficult, extremely difficult time. So I encourage folks to seek out research uh, that's being exacerbated by some of the things we've been discussing. Uh, so I encourage you, uh, if you start to feel like uh, you are depressed or you start to feel like you know, you're kind of losing control or overwhelmed, you know, seek out those resources online. There are a lot of great resources out there that really look at the connection between um, what's happening on the internet and our mental health. So I encourage everyone uh, to seek out those resources and practice self-care so they're in a position to care for the ones they love. That is a wonderful message to end with. It's the same as on airplanes, right? We have to put our own mask on before we help others with their masks. And this information can get really overwhelming and we can both certainly attest to that fact. So um, I think that's that's a really great message um, to share, to be aware of that, to know there's resources out there and that there's always help if you need it. So and listen, yeah, and that and you know, I want to acknowledge Dana the great work that you've been doing, you know, for many years in this space and your commitment on this is really unparalleled and it's, you know, it's a huge privilege to be on, on your show. I know you, uh, your uh, office has been doing the show for quite some time. And I know you've, you're kind of carrying, the, you are carrying the baton on this, carrying the torch on this. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I just want to acknowledge that and, and, and amplify you and, and make sure you're, you're seen and heard and, and acknowledged for the great work that you're doing. You are very kind. Thank you so much. Our, our task force does a tremendous amount of work and I, um, I pass along the information that they are giving me on a wider platform. So I'm happy to do it, but I am thrilled that you were able to join us today, Joe. I'm happy that we are connected now and we can continue this conversation. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and joining us to share this information with our audience. Thank you, Dana. It was great to be here. Uh, happy New Year and uh, best wishes for a safe internet day. Yes, thank you. You as well. And to our PKO listeners, as always, stay safe.